0: Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. When you think of Morgan Stanley, diversity and accessibility might not be the first thing that comes to mind. But Alice Milligan, who joined as Chief Marketing Officer in May 2021, is on a mission to change that. Milligan joined Morgan Stanley through its acquisition of E-Trade in 2020. Since then, the firm has expanded its portfolio of products and services to cater to a wide range of individuals beyond the uber wealthy. And Milligan has been working to make that message clear to a broad audience. In this episode, Milligan chats about recent campaigns that position the firm at the forefront of DEI in the sector, including a campaign starring Canadian tennis star Layla Fernandez and a collaboration with Rebecca Minkoff to redesign a male Wall Street status symbol. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Alice. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Good, Allison. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So I'm super excited to dive into all of the interesting things you're doing at Morgan Stanley. I know that you joined at an interesting time for the business. There had been a lot of acquisitions. Talk about, you know, what Morgan Stanley is, maybe the perception that people had of the brand and then how that sort of changed over the past few
1: years. Okay, great. It's funny because uh, I joined Morgan Stanley as part of the E-Trade acquisition And prior to that, you know, I knew about the firm, but not a lot of detail. And so it's been um, interesting and fascinating to come up to speed in the role as CMO for the firm in not just understanding and learning about the firm, but also taking it in from a consumer mindset, being less familiar. I think traditionally Morgan Stanley had been viewed as... More of an institutional um, investment banking firm. A lot of times, our competitors were likened to that of the wirehouses, and um, from a consumer perspective or an investor perspective, high net worth and uber high net worth individuals. With the purchase of ETrade, Eaton Vance, uh, Solium a few years back, the company really expanded its focus expanded the audiences that it appeals to and also the technology capabilities and cutting edge innovation that some of the acquired firms have and so it's really shifted from to a broader business and a business that is appealing to broader audiences namely our focus has been um, helping women people of color, and emerging affluence, and what we call Henry, high earners, not rich yet, to showcase the brand and what the brand's all about. And the fact that we really are a category of one, we can serve your needs from the time uh, you just start your investing or wealth journey through when you found your first company and start the IPO process to, you know, your decision maker in a large corporate. And, um, you're looking at firms to help serve your corporation. Morgan Stanley's there and has the capabilities, technologies, research and resources to help.
0: Yeah. So that's a that's a pretty big shift, right? Going from, you know, uber wealthy, high net worth individuals to trying to reach a much more broader and inclusive audience. Talk a little bit about how from a brand perspective, you've started to tackle that since you've been there.
1: Yeah, um, I think a few things. And so we did, we always start as a firm with research, listening more than talking, understanding these different groups, what their needs are, but also what problems they're trying to solve and what historically has been their point of view in terms of representation or financial services overall. And what we found through a lot of that is that these groups, uh, if I take women, for example, they um, tend to have uh, a good amount of wealth. They tend to be people who make decisions on behalf of themselves and their families, um, but who have found traditionally financial services a bit standoffish in terms of appeal To them. And so we looked at, you know, why is this? What are the things that are important? Um, And how can we appeal to those audiences? When we looked at younger generation and emerging affluence, et cetera, what we saw, and and not only through our own proprietary research, but we looked at things like this year's Edelman's Trust Barometer, where 58% of respondents say that they will buy or advocate for brands based on their beliefs and values, and 60% choose a place to work based on their benefits and values. So um, we know that the consumers today across all wealth bands and across institutions really look to work with companies that do good. And so we felt it was important to share our story there. Morgan Stanley historically has done a tremendous amount around diversity, equity and inclusion, whether that's internally in terms of our employees and our recruiting, our advancement, our talent acquisition and retention plans through external uh, efforts like starting and founding the um, Institution for Financial Inclusion. Uh, We've got programs and scholarship programs with HBCUs. So there's a lot of work that we've been doing, but really have not told our story externally. And so that's been a lot of my focus in terms of really starting to tell that story in new and different ways.
0: Yeah. So talk about that. I know DE&I has been a big focus for you at Morgan Stanley. What efforts have you made to, you know, be more inclusive in your storytelling and maybe talk about some of the things that you had been doing behind the scenes in the past year or so?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that's important, again, trying to modernize how we talk about the brand and the firm, traditionally Morgan Stanley has really been a face to face Sales type firm where it's one on one interactions. And as we've started to broaden our audiences and our technologies and capabilities, um, it's really about how do you communicate across multiple channels. Uh, in the right way, in the right fashion for today's um, investor and for today's companies. And so looking at different platforms, social media is playing a much bigger role than it was in the past, working with social influencers, et cetera, in terms of getting the message out there. And then when it comes to the actual uh, messaging campaigns, uh, this year we undertook three main campaigns within marketing that helped showcase our commitment to DE and I. The first was uh, working with and and bringing on a new brand ambassador. So earlier this year, we welcomed 20-year-old women's tennis pro Layla Fernandez as one of our newest brand ambassadors. We had um, Cheyenne Woods and Justin Rose for a number of years uh, and were focused on golf. And now we expanded to tennis and brought on Layla. Uh, She's a Canadian citizen of Ecuadorian and Filipino descent and is the facer to one of our newest TV spots that we launched this year during the US Open, highlighting the value of seeing people from all backgrounds succeed and inspiring generations to believe everyone can too. And so the thought was, you know, if you see me succeed, you can believe you can succeed too. And, and that's really about representation, which many of us know being in the financial services industry, you know, seeing women succeed in financial services helps you believe that you have a path to success as well. And then along with the spots that we launched, we also have been very focused on our philanthropic and giving back efforts because giving back is another one of Morgan Stanley's core values. And so we did a racket drop in conjunction with the TV spots where we provided tennis rackets, associated gear like tennis bags and balls and water bottles. And inspiring messages that Layla worked with us on in underserved communities in New York around the u s. Open Stadium. So that was the first effort. Mm-hmm. Then the second was really about inclusion. So the first was representation. The second was about inclusion. And what we did is we reimagined um the wall a Wall Street status symbol for women. Um, the reason behind that was that we found that although the traditional banker bag, which was a duffel bag that you see probably a lot where um, you see on Wall Street, uh, mostly men walking around with this banker bag with the name of the firm that they walk. Uh, they work for on it. It was really popular, and it is a bit of a symbol of you know belonging to an industry, belonging to a firm, and sort of showcasing uh, that you're part of something. But what we found when we did some research was that the women in finance, less than three percent, said that they carried the bag. And over 50% said they didn't feel it was for them. Yet we know that women in Wall Street has been growing in terms of being in financial services and, and being in leadership positions. So we collaborated with fashion designer Rebecca Minkoff to redesign the bag to reflect more of the current face of Wall Street and do our part to make banking more accessible and inclusive and ensure everyone feels like they belong. So we launched the Banker Bag 2.0 during New York Fashion Week. So this was also our first time where we did a fashion collaboration with a Fashion Icon. And then we also launched it through our first social influencer campaign across Instagram and TikTok. And the bag has been so popular with our employees. It was really about our employees along with the collaboration Um, It's been so popular that we actually sold out of our first run and and we're going through our second run now with a long wait list of employees who are dying to get their hands on a bag. And then finally, the last thing we did was about removing barriers. And so um, we recently unveiled a conceptual model space suit for women in partnership with Courageous, the brand studio of CNN. We found that the first all-female spacewalk was rescheduled in 2019 because there weren't enough spacesuits available to fit the astronauts of smaller stature. So that was an eye-opener for us. Our research team, so Morgan Stanley has a a really um, significant equity research team, and they predict that global space industry will surge to over a trillion dollars by year the year twenty forty. So we really had believe we had an opportunity to say let's break down some barriers in a growing industry that's continuing to be meaningful for everyone to ensure that they have an equitable opportunity to participate in the growing space economy. We introduced this conceptual spacesuit that was designed to fit smaller stature in an immersive experiential activation in Times Square. So more than 3,000 visitors went through the history of the spacesuit design. So we had, you know, a display of replicas of previous and historical spacesuits. We had a galaxy room with an LED wall projecting high res images from the James Webb Space Telescope. And then we ended that with the Morgan Stanley spacesuit one design. This was all in Times Square. And there was... Um an AR application where you could take uh, your image and it was projected in a spacesuit on the 1585 signage of Morgan Stanley's building, which was really exciting for people to, you know, have their face on the billboards of Times Square. Mm. And, you know, what we thought was really important, again, is just kind of demonstrating in new and different and innovative ways support for diversity and inclusion and and what it means in terms of investing in the economy and different areas. So it's authentic and it's believable, but it's not the same thing that everyone else is doing. I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, I think um, to your point, like not only are these different expressions of what a financial services firm can be and who it that who they can be for, but also like yeah. ways that you show up in the media, right? So like, yeah, I wanna get to that, but first, you know, all of these efforts that you're making for women, for people of color, like, do you find that it's resonating and how is it sort of tying back to what Morgan Stanley is doing and and how it's evolving as a company?
1: Yeah, so I would say we're finding it's really resonating when we looked at things like, Um, The number of impressions, you you know, they were through the roof and beat a lot of our traditional benchmarks in terms of social media, um, as well as press, you know, so traditionally, uh, most of our press is in traditional financial services publications like the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and the Financial Times which are important for our industry but we started showing up in in media like Fast Company and Gotham and glossy so again A broader audience of people who may not be out there reading financial publications but have a need to manage wealth and their finances and now they're starting to see hey there's a firm that maybe i haven't considered before so that's been great we also when we looked at things like increases in our number of followers we saw those numbers go up um, with each campaign And we also saw things like when we looked at the demographics of those followers, seeing them more in younger demographics, in those demographics that we are um, also trying to appeal to along with our traditional base of customers and and ensuring we're not alienating them. So from what we can see, you know, it's resonating and we're reaching folks. And all of the commentary was really positive. If I take the banker bag, for example, we... um, Um, looked at social sentiment, and it was over 90%, which typically you don't see um, in terms of all of the commentary being positive. And where there was one or two, maybe a little bit more snarky comments, you saw people in those platforms say why they felt it was really resonant you know it really resonated with them and why it was relevant and sort of coming to the defense of particular campaigns so i thought that was fantastic in terms of our um, our firm like we have a legacy that we're proud of in, uh, around a culture of inclusion it's one of our five core values commitment to diversity and inclusion, as well as things like giving back to the community. And so both of those things are prominently featured in the work that we're doing for our marketing campaigns. You know, an example or initiative we're really proud of as I mentioned is our Institute for Inclusion, which that has a goal of really catalyzing and accelerating DE&I within Morgan Stanley and within the com- communities that we live and serve. Um It's funded by an initial uh, an initial commitment of twenty five million dollars from the firm, And the core mission is to advance equity and inclusion through giving for underrepresented groups using our resources and helping us show up in different ways. And then we've also done things like our HBCU Scholars program, where we grant sixty students full-time scholarships. We also have a multicultural innovation lab uh, where we support and help advance diversity founders. So women and people of color in particular, and that's $157 million funding secured to date with 673 million total valuation. So we're doing things across a number of things, whether it's education, empowerment, tools and learning to mentoring, coaching businesses and helping them succeed through giving back to underserved communities that, um, that we live and work in. And so we're really proud of the work that we do there.
0: Awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about how you're getting your messages out. I think, like you said, you know, financial services has typically been very buttoned up are advertised in the trade press and do more sort of like one on one type (laughs) outreach. But, you know, it seems that you've been pushing on social media, TikTok influencers, like talk about how you're sort of pushing the boundaries of the way the media channels that financial services firms use to, to reach new audiences.
1: Yeah, you know, I think I think the first thing is how people absorb information, understand the brands that they do business with and and gather information and source information on those brands is different today than it was in the past. And a lot of it is set based on, you know, a broader experience, right? They're not necessarily setting how they get information on financial services firms. It's like Google and and how they source information um, in a much broader way. And so we really have to take that into consideration and ensure that we're part of the story um, where they're looking and when they're looking. And so that really uh, helped us understand that social media plays a big role. The other piece is that as a brand you need to get your message out there but there's again other ways and other places that people use to influence their buying decisions a lot of that is through their friends their families and then you know people who influence them in different ways and so we looked at our media as not just you know traditionally people look at media and it's it's really around paid media we look at our media as a full basket and that is paid, owned, and earned. So I think that's important in just saying, like, how do we use those channels? How are we doing things like, optimizing across the channels or complementing what we're doing within channels. So sometimes it's a consistent message across paid, earned and owned media. Sometimes we do different messages so that we maximize our investment and our exposure to folks. And then leveraging things like the banker, you know, like in the banker bag, for example, we saw a 27% increase in new account followers. A lot of that was in a different demographic historically than what we've appealed to. So, you know, 25 to 34 year olds, a lot of that came through really um, doubling down on Instagram and then working with influencers like at Mrs. Dow Jones, for example, who, has a very targeted audience who's educating and empowering, but in a modern way, in a different way than maybe we would. And so partnering and collaborating that space has been really important.
0: Yeah. What's it been like for you as CMO to sort of shift the organization's thinking towards more innovative media strategies? Like is because financial services are so regulated, like was there pushback to that or did you how did you get buy in to sort of like shift the the strategy in this in this new direction?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, regardless of what we do and regardless of the channel that we're using, privacy, security, all of those things are always top of mind and always important. And so ensuring that we have the right processes, the right policies, we're partnering Uh, with the right people who have proven security measures and safety measures, et cetera, always top of mind and always part of everything we do. And, you know, we engage our legal and compliance partners within the firm early, often throughout the development of a campaign to make sure we do that in the right way to protect our clients and to protect the firm. That being said, then, a lot of it is around you know, typical change management type processes. So talking to people internally, sharing upfront what we're thinking about and what we're doing, I think it's been important not just to frame it in terms of, hey, here's a great marketing campaign we want to do. But like, you know, what we've talked about a little bit earlier, Allison, which is who is the segment we're going after? What are they worth to us as a firm in terms of their economic value, as well as um, the value of uh, that they stand for in terms of growth for the firm? Um, How do they absorb information? So kind of, again, educating people at all levels within the firm about who we're going to talk to, why we think it's important to talk to them, how you're best served to talk to them, and then sharing the campaigns and the promotions that we're going to do. Believe me, there's always an element of doubt uh, when you're going through change management. And you know there was doubt in terms of a number of the things we did for the banker bag, for example. But what we've also done is spent a lot of time ensuring that we are setting metrics and able to track impact Um, of what we're doing so that we can circle back to say, hey, women represent 11 trillion in wealth in the U.S. It's a massive opportunity. Here's how they gather information. And so we're going to go out and social. Here's the different ways we're going to do that. Launch the campaign and then come back and say, guess what? Like, you know, we saw this 27 percent increase in new accounts Followers, we saw it hit the sweet spot in terms of the demographics. Look at all the positive sentiment and engagement we had, and then we compare it to either our traditional communications articles, podcasts that we have in place, or benchmarks, and then show them just how well it did against those benchmarks. And then you start to see that people, one, understand that it's working, and then you get a little bit more leeway to do. Uh, bolder things in the future because of the fact that you've got a pr- proven success uh, rate behind you.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So you you've spent
0: most of your career in financial services, right? So I Financial. I know a lot of the work you're doing now is is about making Morgan Stanley more accessible to people. But I think as a sector, financial services can mm-hmm. seem very inaccessible, right? Like it's all yeah. kind of confusing. What do these companies do? How can they help me? Do you feel the sector overall is advancing in this way? And, you know, as a marketer, how do you kind of differentiate from the crowd when it's all shrouded in in mystery kind of?
1: Yeah, you know, I think... I think one element, for me at least, is never forgetting that I'm a consumer at, at the end of the day. And I think although I've been in financial services my whole career, I, I've spent most of my time in marketing, operations, technology And innovation and not in the hardcore mechanics, for example, um, of finance and risk or be an advisor. So I think to some extent, considering myself a consumer and being in the industry, but being in fields that are not as hardcore in terms of your depth of engagement in just the numbers, it makes it easier to understand why people struggle. I think most firms know, and you see this in some of their advertising or communications, that sometimes the industry is overrun with jargon and and terms and words and phrases and concepts that people always don't understand. That it's you know it's complex it changes right there's ups and downs depending on the cycle you're in and and it's very cyclical and it's about a topic that people care deeply right this is your funds your future your wealth and it's it's you know are you going to be able to do the things in life that you want to do Because a lot of that does take the ability to fund those things. And can you create the future that you want for yourself, for your children, for your family? And so there's a lot of, you know, sort of angst and and risk and concern associated with that. I think the first piece is just really recognizing, understanding that and keeping that in mind all the time then I think it's we have a maniacal focus on, you know, like as I read things, I review them. And I'm always saying, like, is that plain English? Are we saying this in a way that people would understand whether you're the most sophisticated investor or you're just starting out and you're unfamiliar with the terms and methodology? You know, are we phrasing things in the right way? Are we using terms that people can understand? All of which supports sort of what governing bodies want to you want to do and say things in a way that's easy for people to understand. So they know what they're buying, they know what they're getting into. And I think that's important. Never forgetting that you're a customer. And so I go on our website, I use our products and services, I talk with our financial serv- advisors, and I do so with competitive products at times as well. And again, just taking note of what is my experience? How easy is it? How friction free is it? do I feel like I'm advancing? Do I understand? Are there tools and capabilities for me? So I think those are just some of the ways that we think about it and just validating that all the time by listening, doing research and talking to clients and customers.
0: Mm -hmm. So I guess playing devil's advocate here, like, is there, is there a sense of like, do you ever run into friction as you try to make, you know, what the firm does more clear to a broader group of customers? Like, is there a, Is there a faction or like a historical desire to maybe be a little bit mysterious? And and what does it take to kind of like shift away from that?
1: You know, I, I wouldn't say that there's a desire to be mysterious, but I think just by the nature sometimes of being in the industry and doing what you do for so long, you don't always remember what it was like to start out. And so sometimes I think people think simplification detracts from the importance of it. And mm-hmm. so making sure you kind of communicate that and again, know why it's important and what happens when you do that. A lot of what you do as a marketer, I think, really is not just about positioning the firm and the brand externally. But employees and the people that work for a firm are the biggest advocates for your brand. And so ensuring that you bring them along the way in the journey is really important. We've been doing a lot of work around the brand and the campaigns. And I would say from the beginning, CMO that, um, you know, I asked for some advice. They said one of the most important lessons they learned as they were doing things to change and evolve the brand was the importance of ensuring that people at all levels understood what you're doing, why you're doing it and feel a part of it. And so when I started, my team and I, you know, we set up a steering committee of members from the firm who are on our operating committee and in very senior positions across all lines of business globally and met with them at different milestones throughout the work that we're doing to share what we're doing, why we're doing it, the results of what we've done so far and get their input. We then did stakeholder groups, international teams, product managers, communications executives, again across the firm, and put together the right milestones to communication consistent and ongoing. And then for the broader employee base, Uh, We have an internal website that we post news and other things about the firm on. And we made sure that we had the launch of our campaigns, commentary from social. We did surveys that enabled employees to participate in doing different things. We had an employee photo contest where we're leveraging some of the photos that the employees um, took and entered as part of our brand strategy in some of our marketing and communications and so just getting people on board talking to them a lot and often is really important so that people feel like they're part of the process Mm -hmm. and I feel like we've done a really good job of that and people know what's happening and can talk about it and can advocate for the brand and for the firm.
0: Awesome. So, given everything we've just spoken about, with you know being more inclusive, leaning on diversity, engaging employees more, what work can we expect from Morgan Stanley down the line that you're excited about?
1: I think um, I I won't go into too many specifics because we want to keep some things close to the best, But um, you'll see more of uh, what we're doing now. Like this was just the beginning in terms of ensuring that. What we're putting into the marketplace feels good to a broad set of audiences, that it feels inclusive, that we're considering and doing the right things and doing good for our communities and for the world in general. You're going to see us continuing to push in terms of the channels we go into Um, And leveraging those channels in a complementary way in terms of media, whether it's social or paid or, or our own channels, you'll see more collaborations like we did with Rebecca Minkoff and like we do with Layla and Justin and Cheyenne so that we can continue to push there and bringing in some of our philanthropic efforts and community service efforts as well we're also working on some new ways to talk about the brand that again, that are relevant to broader audiences and that feel current and modern and not like yesterday's Morgan Stanley, but like today and tomorrow's Morgan Stanley. And I think that's important. And then finally, I think, you know, the other, we've spent a lot of time is just on talent acquisition. So, as I mentioned earlier, Morgan Stanley has traditionally been a sales culture and not as much a marketing culture. And so one of the things that, you know, my team has spent a lot of time on and one of the goals I set for myself was, you know, how do we become the firm of choice for the next generation of marketers? And so to do that, you know, we've done a bunch of things like created a mobility program within the firm. We've got a A group called Marketing Matters, where we do curriculum uh, for marketers within the firm to stay up on current trends, technologies, data and analytics, the metaverse, all of those things to say, you know, how does it apply to what we do and what should we be considering We put together a summer intern program where we brought in interns specifically for marketing versus our traditional programs, which was about finance and financial advisors, et cetera. And then um, we've done a lot around just talent acquisition, um, making sure that we're showcasing the leaders in our team, that we're getting the message out there and that we're focusing on diversity and inclusion within our hires as well as people who have brand and marketing background, which may not have been the traditional focus for talent acquisition within the firm.
0: Mm. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely excited to see what you, what you come out with in the next year. Thank you so much for joining me and chatting about all of it and hope to talk
1: soon. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.